don't be stupid, be a smarty, come and join the Nazi party. It's a good job you're editing the podcast, John, not me, because I would just take that wee snippet Mary said and just put it on a loop. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't put, would put it past John. I'm, I'm actually kicking myself for saying it out loud, but whatever. <laughs> I'll live with the consequences. Good morning, Vietnam! I love the smell of my pub in the morning. I did contemporary German cinema as part of my dissertation at uni and when I went to check books out the library the guy went I can understand why you're studying this with your blonde hair and your blue eyes and I was like that is that is not why I've made this decision like wow <laughs> okay follows me around. So what sort of response has Chris had back from launching his website? Oh do you know he put it on his gamer tagged community thing and people were like like absolute strangers were like oh this is the best review I've read of this thanks for not putting any spoilers in it like it was really really positive so I think after months of not working and not engaging brain and just kind of moping about the house like that was the exact feedback that he wanted that was or needed rather it was it was really good so really positive so it's encouraged him I think to go and do a bit more there's a couple of games coming out that I think he's like signed up to pre-orders for and stuff like that so yeah he was dead chuffed with it so all right looks good yeah, to look at the site and everything. I haven't read the review of uh, The Last of Us Part Two because I want to play it. It's obviously got okay. spoilers on it, so I thought it said yeah. there's no spoilers on it. Well, I think there's like a mile. I mean, I don't know. I've read the review because I proofed it, right? Yeah. But I couldn't tell you what happened because I lost him for like forty hours or whatever it was that he just spent like glued to the PlayStation. So I couldn't tell you if it because I don't know what's a spoiler and what's not. I heard he was just crying the whole way through it. <laughs> Chris, yeah, he pretty yeah. much was. He kept coming downstairs and going. <laughs> don't think I can play the next bit of that it's so emotional and then he would disappear back upstairs again so it's I mean it's interesting because I obviously do not game at all and it's funny because you have that sort of connection with like films or maybe pieces of music and stuff and I never think of gaming as being that emotional yeah. but it obviously is yeah I played the first one and it was brilliant it was just an incredible story it was a great, great game as well it was very a lot of fun but yeah the story was brilliant it was, it was, I was playing it and going this is much better than The Walking Dead this is what the Walking Dead should be. It's it's not exactly a high bar though, is it? Let's face it. Are they not making a series of this? Did I not read that the guy that directed Chernobyl has signed up to yeah. direct a series of this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That'd be cheery. Yeah, from what I've seen <laughs> the from Christmas review, I'm like, this is gonna be so bleak. But like a lot of the gamer community already are like, Oh, I want so and so to play this person and it has to be the right cast and all this. I think there's I think the gamers are quite and rightfully so precious about the... Yeah, of course. It's the same idea as books, isn't it? Mm-hmm. When you read a book, you think about somebody, actually. You picture somebody. Yeah. It might not be somebody famous, but, you know, you usually have an idea of what somebody looks like. There was a whole yeah. the, the Lee Child, Jack Reacher thing when Tom Cruise did it. And he's, he was too small because Jack Reacher's supposed to be like six foot six or six foot seven or something, you know? It's the same with um, the Harry Holt, like I love the Joan Esbo books. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't, like, never in my life would I have pictured anyone who looked like Michael Fassbender playing mm-hmm. Harry Holt. In my head, he was somebody who looked like almost like a, a rougher, more weather beaten felon star scar just that tall, slightly thin in kind of blonde hair but like built like a brick shit house and just sort of 
it was the complete opposite of, of what yeah. I thought. Um, well, mm-hmm. Tom Richard. So Jack Richard found really annoyed me because who cared really if he's a bit shorter? Tom Cruise is a legit action hero. But the, the thing is, well, it's like on the kind of plus side of that, you, Jackman, should not be Wolverine. No, absolutely not. He's, he's six foot two. Yep. Somebody yeah. like Tom Hardy's probably closer in height because he's about, what, five, five? Yeah. Can you imagine anybody else in that role now? No. No. No, it's just, like, it's, it's just sometimes like people are wrong. And the thing about the Jack Reacher thing as well, the film wouldn't have got made if it wasn't for Tom Cruise. Like, there's no leading man. Maybe Michael Shannon that I push. Aye, it's actually a really good film. Don't mean, I'm not the biggest Jack Reacher fan, but why is all that? So I, I've not got that same uh, connection to people did. But Constantine, for example, Keanu fucking Reeves played Constantine, a character who was based on Sting. <laughs> a scouser. I have, I have uh, no issues with Keanu Reeves, ever. <laughs> but, you know, a, a, a scouser that spent a lot of time in Newcastle, in London, with blonde hair, played by Keanu Reeves, set in America. But who hey, right, it was a good film. People just need to be a little bit open-minded, I think, when it comes to casting decisions. Yeah, truth is uh, a different property almost, even though I suppose it's getting sold on the, the title and the IP, really, isn't it? So it's getting, that's why it's come to screen in the first place. I well, look what Hamilton's sense. achieved. Like, the casting for that is totally colourblind, and you just accept it. Like, there's no questions asked. Right, who wants to go first then about what they've been watching over the last week or so? What I've been watching in the last couple of weeks in terms of films was I watched the entire Mission Impossible collection. <laughs> There cannot be peace without first a great suffering. The greater the suffering, the greater the peace. The end you've always feared is coming. It's coming. And the blood will be on your hands. Which was excellent. Very good. I was want to catch up on it. My son wanted to watch the last one, so we just went through the lot of them and watched them. Really good. I watched Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman as well, just because it had been in the, the news and obviously we discussed it in the last part about the Snyder kind of one. So I'd kind of forgotten what happened in Man of Steel, so wanted to watch that again. It was really good. Enjoyed it. Batman versus Superman, which was the ultimate edition, was a hell of a lot better than I remembered seeing it in the first first case so yeah it was good I watched a film called the departure which was absolutely awful it was about a man who is moving to new york i think he's in los angeles or something he's moving to new york for six months and he's not sure of his girlfriend so he asks his best friend to try and seduce his girlfriend it's only like 70 minutes long and it's not very good at all it's very very badly acted and just didn't really work very well it didn't <laughs> i could see why they were trying to make it but it didn't come across well at all it was not good not good I thought you were going to say it was a, a prequel to Departed <laughs> <laughs> no not quite watched from Russia with Love which is excellent and A White White Day which was the Icelandic film that I did the interview for at the Glasgow Film Festival mm-hmm. we just put that up last week so that was what I was watching TV wise I've been I've decided to watch the entire Arrowverse so I'd watched some of Arrow and a wee bit of Flash, so I've started about halfway through the third season of Arrow. So at the moment, it's just Arrow and the Flash, just because I wanted to watch all of the crossovers that they have sort of halfway through the seasons, but I never really got a chance to before. And it was a bit awkward because you don't know what's 
happening with all of them, you know, so I'm a bit of a completist that way. I just watched all that. Watched The Rookie, the finale of The Rookie, the Nathan Fillion TV series. Have you seen that, the cop show? It's a bit sort of lightweight in parts, but it's actually pretty good. I quite, quite enjoy it. I know we're not supposed to like police dramas these days or anything, but that's one of the better ones. I quite like that. I watched Banshee. Have you seen that oh, at all? No, I've seen no, a couple I've heard of episodes of that. that. Yeah, I really want to get back into it because it's got the guy, is it Tony Starr, that's in The Boys? Yep, yeah, that's yeah. right. Anthony Starr, he's the sort of lead actor in it. It's about a guy who comes out of prison and he, he wants to get his what's due to him, which is 15 million in diamonds. And he tracks down his former girlfriend in the town, an Amish town in Pennsylvania called Banshee. And the whole first episode is how he actually ends up becoming the sheriff of the town because the, the sheriff dies in a fist fight in the bar isn't really given in in a way if it's the first episode and he kind of takes it over, pretends to be the sheriff. It's a complete violence and sex fest, which is which can be good, but can be, you're kind of like, oh no, no, come on, just keep your clothes on for goodness sake. You know? <laughs> Yeah, so there's there's lots of there's lots of humping in it. You get more than two thrusts as well, because it's an eighteen certificate program. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a uh, Ray Donovan. Yeah, there's a lot of people getting their kit off in that as well. And that's it. Book-wise, I'm only reading one book, the Charlton Heston book, The Actor's Life, which is a collection of his journals from 1956 to 1976. And it's just we sort of journal entries from working on films from like the the Ten Commandments right through to like Airport 75 and just a lot of wee snippets which is really excellent it doesn't really delve into any sort of politics or anything I know he's quite a divisive figure these days with his links to the Republicans and the NRA and all that so yeah so that's what I've been watching and reading you've been very busy I've got a lot of time on my hands (laughs) (laughs) don't let your employers hear that I don't really feel like I've been watching that much. I mean, because I mentioned films and that. I've been watching a lot of TV, but well, more TV, I would say, than I have been watching movies. I can't, I, mean, I can't even tell you what I have watched film-wise recently, apart from what we're going to discuss later. But I have been watching a lot of Succession. Everything I've done in my life, I've done for my children. I know I've made mistakes, but I've always tried to do the best by them because I love them. Have you thought about the possibility that your children are actually scared of you? Oh, fuck off! Which is awesome. Brian Cox, Gemma Strong, Sarah Snootkey, and Kilkin, Matthew McFadden, Nicholas Brown, Alan Ruck is a cracking cast. Have you seen it? I heard about it. Yeah, I've seen yeah. it again. It's one of those ones I've seen a couple of episodes of, and I wish I had. I, I want oh, time to commit to watching it. It's so good. They're just incredibly hateful as a family <laughs> and individuals, and it's hard to really root for anybody. You're just you're basically just going. I hate you the least in this scene, <laughs> so I want you to do well. Uh, but I find it interesting that it was created by Jesse Armstrong, who co-created Peep Show, and. Yeah, it's a black comedy to an extent, Succession, but it's not an out-and-out comedy. It's nowhere similar in that style, but it's absolutely brilliant. I would highly recommend it. And despite how kind of dark and serious it can be in its nature, it's easily a binge. Yeah. You can just you can, you can just rattle into it. It's, it's very very good. I was been watching Misfits as well, but that's kind of been put to the side since uh, watching Succession. But I didn't watch Misfits first time it started. I've been catching up with it in film four. You don't look. Do you know about it, Mary? No, I have I know about it, but I haven't watched yeah. it. I would recommend it. It's quite good. Uh, not what I expected, but I don't know really what I was expecting. That I started watching it. Book wise, I started reading the first Law trilogy, 
by Joe Abercrombie, which you're reading at the Kindle, and there's no page numbers. And the, the book comes as a trilogy. And I'm like, I've been reading this for hours, and I'm hoping 5%. It's quite, it's quite, <laughs> <laughs> it's quite defeating. You know, I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. But I did read The Ritual last week. Adam Neville, I think it is. It was a film with Rave Spall. Did everybody see it? Oh, yeah, the one set in the woods. That one, yeah. yeah. Ah, yeah. It, Aye. The book's very, very different for the film, but it's worth reading. If you enjoy the film, I'd definitely read it. It's, a, it's almost like two different books, though. The first half's at the end of the woods, and the second half, I can't really mention because it's spoilery, but it's something totally different. But, yeah, I mean, the first half especially is absolutely brilliant. It's just really fast paced and just really tense like I'm sitting reading it and like Jen's trying to speak to him like shh <laughs> well, I didn't really think it was scary so it was just really intense which very uncomfortable book very uncomfortable I think that's me I haven't really that and Love Island Australia obviously I've been absolutely addicted to that honestly you're never <laughs> going to get a better drama than Love Island it's it's incredible it's one of the best edited shows I've seen on TV and I, I genuinely mean that. that I, don't, I don't know take the fact it's so well edited and how it constructs a story. It's not all scripted. Probably. It's noticeable how you wanted the racist comments taken out of the podcast, but you're quite happy for Love Island to be left in. It's interesting when you leave, without context, you leave that in and it's like, oh, no. <laughs> Well, speaking of racists, maybe it should. <laughs> <laughs> For the listeners that can't see us, Mary is wearing a My Little Pony hat, and we all know how that's been in the news recently, or they just made it notice that. <laughs> Apparently there's some link between My Little Pony and Nazis, and I don't know how or why. Okay, first of all, for our listeners, I'd like to clarify that I actually just have a French bulldog on my t-shirt, and I've never even played with a My Little Pony. As a French bulldog, I'm, I'm a, I'll admit that, but it's a French bulldog in Occupy France. <laughs> Not an Alsatian, though, so that doesn't make me a Nazi. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I've Again, I've watched what we're going to be discussing. I watched The Square. What are the biggest challenges in running a museum? We're a museum of modern and contemporary art, so we need to present art that is the art of today, art that is absolutely cutting edge, and the competition is fierce. If you place an object in a museum, mm. For instance, if we took your bag and placed it here, would that make it art? Ah. Which I felt was a bit up itself, as you'll be able to tell from my movie Scrambled Review. It just kind of rambled, and I didn't really feel like it ever got to the point. And then I watched the original Karate Kid this weekend, which was good fun. And TV-wise... I watched the Epstein documentary, which was equal parts interesting and equal parts disgusting. And I felt like I needed a shower afterwards. I binged my way through all three series of Borgen and don't know why that hasn't been in my life before now because it was so good. Watched a couple of like true crime things. There was one on Channel 4 called Murder in the Car Park. And then I've been sort of half paying attention to the Unsolved Mysteries series on Netflix because it's just a kind of easy watch. Books-wise, I have read Moonlight in Odessa by Janet Charles, which is about Ukrainian mail-order brides. Thomas, you might want to pick that up. Was <laughs> 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 that a catalogue? Um, <laughs> well, there used to be in the 80s. That's how you, you would literally get a catalogue saying, anywho. I also read Unsheltered by Barbara Kingsolver, which is a kind of 
split narrative between it's all set in one big old house set back in 1800 about a female scientist who was largely ignored even though she was peers with Darwin and then sort of modern day family living in the same house. I've been plowing my way through the Philip Kerr Bernie Gunther books and I'm really sad because I'm only two away from the end and I know they're going to end because obviously Philip Kerr passed away but I don't want to give up this character just yet because I'm really enjoying they're just sort of World War II detective novels easy read but really enjoyable and I've just started The Crow Girl by Eric Axel Sund. I'm not sure how far I'm going to get into this because already there's like really graphic descriptions of child abuse and it's just I don't know there's like 700 odd pages and I don't know if I can read that for that length of time I, I thought it was like going to be a kind of Scandi noir type of book but it's, it's very graphic and it's just really uncomfortable to read so I may give up on that although I hate doing that with my books. It's fairly comprehensive then I mean we have obviously watched it a hell of a lot of stuff uh, between us over the last couple of weeks or so that's pretty good yeah some interesting stuff I, I started what uh, reading those Bernie Gunther novels. I maybe read three of them, I think. Yeah. It's initially set in Berlin, aren't they? Yeah, they're all sort of, yeah. apart from a couple of trips to the south of France and at one point Argentina, which you can probably guess why he was there. Most of it's set kind of in flashback in Berlin. But yeah, I love them. They're just, they're super easy reads. They're, and mm-hmm. I like that era. And not I like that era. Let's just clarify that before Sammy says something else. <laughs> <laughs> I resent that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say this here because I'm looking at stuff on Nexus 2 here. Um, yep. one, of the, one of the quotes from the review was uh, <laughs> apparently William Peter Blatter went and said, you'd think you were watching the producers. <laughs> no way, what a tie-in. <laughs> uh, I, I, I never actually realised there were sequels, to be honest. Oh, yeah, there is. There's, there's TV shows, well, the TV show is actually quite good. That was out recently. Um, I can't remember the main priest guy in it, but he's very, very good. The first season anyway, the second one is good, but not as good. But no, I kind of mentioned Galaxy Quest. I've been watching a documentary, I watched a documentary on Galaxy Quest recently called Never Surrender. Mm-hmm. And it's interviews with, the, it's on Sky, it's the original cast. It was Sam Rockwell, Sigourney Weaver, Tim Allen. Unfortunately, not Alan Rickman, because it's, 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 it's very recent. But it made me want to go back and watch Galaxy Quest, because it's such a good film. It is, isn't it? It's one of these films that Star Trek fans really love as well because there was a Star Trek convention, I think it was, and it got more votes than Star Trek Into Darkness <laughs> <laughs> in terms of the Star Trek ranking. But this, this documentary is good because you've got Damon Lindelof on it as well, and he's talking about it, obviously. He talks about the impact it had on the Star Wars reboots and things like that. And it's just a very interesting story about the movie. And yeah, I, I, I like it, Mary. It's, it's a really good cast. And it's kind of one of those films that just kind of flew under the radar. I feel like somebody posted about this on Twitter recently. Because I remember, I know what Alan Rickman's sort yeah. of makeup looks like. And I've never seen it. So I feel like somebody posted on Twitter. As an aside, did you guys see how the Washington Post announced? Yes. Uh, oh, fuck. Yes. They What's made the, the sound on the Washington Post. If you look up their Twitter, because I can't vocally do I can't provide this. They announced Ennio Morricone's death in a phonetic description of the Festival of Dollars uh, sort of theme music, or most mm-hmm. iconic music. And people were just like, what the fuck, Washington Post? That's <laughs> so disrespectful. Yeah, I mean, what I try and do here was basically a uh, famous composer, Ennio Morricone, died. Uh, Yes, the guy that wow 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 and you're like man, <laughs> what? And it's just got a torrent of hate towards it. Sammy, <laughs> I'm so glad you did that because I could never have done it justice. But it was 
fucking terrible. Do you know what the worst thing is? The the headline's so badly done as well. I didn't even know what bit of music they were talking about. Uh Uh-huh. I had to sit there and go, wow, wow. What? Like, like in my head, yeah. <laughs> it, it doesn't work. You're like, what are they talking about? No, this sounds ridiculous as well. Because what, what it is they're talking about, but actually, it's such a bad headline. It's not even clear what they mean. Yeah. Oh dear. I bought on Bloody the Love Witch. I'm Samantha Robinson, the star of the new 35 millimeter motion picture called The Love Witch. In the movie, I move from San Francisco to Eureka to start a new life where no one knows me. And I meet a lovely woman named Trish. Hey. Hi, I'm Trish. Well, what do men want? Just a pretty woman to love and to take care of them. I set up shop as a witch. And I start to use my love spells on unsuspecting men. It's one that I missed at Fright Face, but I think it's quite a kind of cult following. It's a kind of, I think a sort of like... It's a strange film. Have you seen it? I have. I've seen it years ago. I couldn't tell much about it before I didn't watch it again. It's a 70s exploitation movie, but it's uh-huh. not. It was filmed like a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would you would be mistaken easily by thinking it was done back then because it is. I didn't like the film for a call, but it is very well done as being of I that think era. It would be like Andy. I think that's why I sort of convinced myself I would like it because I've, I've got that and I've also ordered the Black Coat's Daughter, the A24 movie as well. So that's going to take a month to come. For some reason. Where's it coming from? Oh, it's it's Amazon Prime, but apparently it's oh. super hard to get a hold of because it wasn't. I think it's got a different name in America and stuff like that. And I don't think it was well released, but it looks really. I saw it in the half in the bag reviews, where the guy that looks like you, Sammy, and I thought I'm going to buy this and watch it. <laughs> I've got the Love Witch on Virgin Box. I recorded oh, it when it was on Film Four about nine months ago or something. Never watched it, but yeah, it's a good. Sorry, guys. It's a good. No, it's a good excuse to. I it got pretty good write-ups at the time so yeah i'll quite happily watch it and it's a new tom hanks film that's coming out on apple oh, oh the special effects in that look push that's just in the trailer sorry <laughs> even the trailer looks push it looks like something that went, i've mocked up on illustrator <laughs> just, just went total ouija there Dang it. <laughs> slips out occasionally there's a new Blumhouse horror film, The Vigil. It's coming out on the 31st of July. It's actually coming out in cinemas. That's the day that obviously all the major cinemas open. I just got an email about that. Just come through there. So there's. And are we 100% convinced they're opening in Scotland as well? Yes, they're opening nationwide on the 31st because obviously it was the originally the 10th and the 15th or something, wasn't yeah. it? But yeah, Cineworld have said, yep, whole of the UK, the 31st of July. So. And do we have to wear masks while we're watching the movie? Because that's going to be a real problem with these. Don't they, they haven't given guidelines yet. They're going to send oh. out emails to <laughs> everybody. That, or to they're... See anything. <laughs> yes, just well. on death. <laughs> yeah, that's what Jen's yeah. issue as well. Got the shops and stuff. It's just believing on the glasses. You can't see a thing. Oh. I do. I mean, it's Blumhouse, so I would, I would watch it anyway. I just didn't think the next film I would go and see with Blumhouse, and probably the last film I go and see because I'll die mm. after it. Yep. <laughs> I'll leave the cinema <laughs> and I'll be like, there'll be like uh, Guinean Paul Bearers outside dancing. <laughs> <laughs> where has that where has that come from like you post that all the time like, it's so funny but where does it come from it's a genuine future uh, funeral ritual you can hire these guys in Canada and they basically uh, want to add some kind of colour and okay. uh, festivities to the funeral so it's not a celebration so it's, it's more of a celebration uh-huh. and they're, they're genuinely legit they're, they're real people but somebody went and just took it and put this dance song over it as a meme and it just kind of caught fire yeah. but it's not even a new thing it's a couple years old it's a, well, it's a, a New Orleans sort of thing, isn't it? That's where they have funerals like that there as well. 
Yeah, Festival of the Dead type idea. Yeah, aye. Somewhat, somewhat of that. What a funeral like that. I've already told Chris my funeral song that I want, and he just keeps ignoring me. And if it doesn't get played, I'll come back and haunt him. Is it yes. the one from the Eurovision film? <laughs> Imagine it was. <laughs> that would be hysterical. No, I want um, Elton John's Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, because I feel like that's sufficiently camp but sombre enough mm-hmm. to straddle both sides. And are you so, expecting people to sing this song? Yeah, and I'd like you all to get your lighters out as well. Because despite the fact that Chris is a man who smokes, I'll probably go first through stress and anxiety. <laughs> I like how you think that you're going to die before I am. That's, that's really encouraging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I need to go to the used to pee for the last like 45 minutes, so I have a dirty. And we've got something else to start the podcast with. There we go. <laughs> and I better keep it recording. <laughs>